You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome into another Three Mall Pod. I'm your host today, Cole Manbeck, joined as always by publisher and editor at KSO, Derek Young. Uh, no John today. Uh, we haven't had the full crew yet welcoming into the new year, but hopefully we'll all get back on track and uh, all three be together at some point. Just some scheduling conflicts that uh, have come up over the last few days, but uh, we've got DY today and we're going to talk K-State transfer portal updates. We're going to give an offensive coordinator update, thoughts on that. And also, we're going to recap the bowl game a little bit more with D.Y., and we'll start there, actually. Um, you know, D.Y. hasn't been able to, to jump on with us yet and give his thoughts on Kansas State's 28-19 win over North Carolina State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. So we will uh, recap that a little bit, get D.Y.'s thoughts, and then move forward and talk about offensive coordinator update. We think K-State's zoned in, zeroed in on a guy that they're uh, likely going to hire there as a co-offensive coordinator. And uh, then we'll give a few transfer portal updates and uh, get DY's input and thoughts there and some of the info as always from him. So uh, before we get started, always going to thank our friends at Holiday Distillery, 360 Vodka. Go get stocked up for the rest of the year. I'm hoping you guys enjoyed a couple of Ben Holiday bottled and bond drinks or uh, drinks or martinis made out of 360 Vodka uh, over the new year and uh, ringing the new year the right way. But again, go support them as they support us. We appreciate the fine folks at Holiday Distillery have thrown us a couple really cool tailgates, uh, showed up at the Wildcat NIL golf tourney in support of Kansas State and in support of us on Three Maw, served up a lot of delicious drinks. Wyatt over there at Holiday is the best. So appreciate the heck out of those guys and uh, go support them. Get stocked up with your 360 vodka or Ben Holiday bottlehead bond bourbon. All right, D.Y., K-State beats North Carolina State 28-19 in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Uh, as John calls it, the granddaddy of them all now, uh, winning the uh, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which was entering the weekend the most viewed, most watched game, bowl game out of all the bowls. Now, that didn't incorporate the uh, the December 30th weekend of games. We'll see what the data shows there. But uh, 4.3 million people watched the Pop-Tarts Bowl and watched Kansas State and Avery Johnson uh, defeat North Carolina State to get their ninth win on the season. I guess, what what were your thoughts on, on K-State's performance in the game? In general, I just thought it was an impressive win. Um, just watching NC State up close in person, live, uh, they didn't have Peyton Wilson, but I thought that was one of the better teams that Kansas State played this year, to be honest. Uh, they had offensive flaws, for sure, that Kansas State capitalized on in the second half. There was really no weaponry or you know, any kind of you know, weapons, I, you know, I keep saying a weapon. NC State had nothing offensively, really, without the quarterback run. That was all they really had. So they became easy to defend, and because of that, Kansas State made the adjustment and pretty much shut them down the rest of the way. Um, I thought that played a larger role in the win. I thought Connor Riley called it a pretty good game outside of, you know, some moments here and there. Mostly that third quarter really got wonky on Kansas State, especially from an offensive standpoint. I think there was some predictability on first down, and that's probably what played into it. Um, aside from that, not a really a lot of criticisms for how Connor Riley called that game. Um, I thought it was similar to how Colin Klein would have called the game, 
minus as much, not as much uh, quarterback run. Avery Johnson, I thought, actually was more game manager than anything, and it's impressive that he could undertake that task as a true freshman. Only 14 of 31, but 178 yards, two touchdowns, 45% completion percentage isn't endearing to the eyes or the stat sheet, but when you really dig into the numbers, um, it's probably not fair to put that on him either. He really bought a lot of time in the pocket a lot. There was probably seven to eight of those where he buys Kansas State, you know, the, the skill position players another three, four, maybe even five seconds of time to get open, and they still weren't able to, and he had to throw it away. Um, but it takes maturity to do that each and every time without forcing the ball into a situation where he shouldn't, and you turn it over. I remember once uh, it might have been in the third quarter. I think it was it was in the second half when I learned I leaned over to KSU fan. I said, you know, I think the game was still tight. It was tight for the most part, almost all game. But I leaned over and toward them. I think the team that gets the turnover probably wins this game. Kansas State ultimately got that turnover, so I thought it was key that eighty free Johnson didn't really force the ball and and, and cause and commit those turnovers. Suspect even though his you know his line says fourteen to thirty one, also contributing to that forty five percent completion percentage. On top of not getting open on the scramble drills like that, and Avery just having to throw it away, is man, there was about four or five bad drops too. So I think this is an impressive win. You probably feel even better about Avery Johnson moving forward. You probably feel better about the team in general because you get to end the season on a high note instead of the low that was Iowa State. You feel good about how the defense redeemed itself. The only knock I would say, and and you feel good about the way Connor Riley called the game as offensive coordinator, uh, and being the co-offensive coordinator moving forward, I think you feel pretty solid about that. I think the only alarm bell that kind of sounds leaving Orlando, and that we probably still have, is yes, the like I said, those those weapons didn't get open on a lot of those scramble drills, and Avery just had to throw it away when they did get open. There was a lot of bad drops, too. So I think the only negative I pull from this game is you still feel a little uneasy about what you have at the wide receiver position. I think it lets them know if they didn't already know this, and I think they had an idea. they they got to attack the transfer portal hard, and they're trying right now to land a couple of guys to help them out. They're going to have Keegan Johnson, Jaden Jackson, Jace Brown, and, and some of the freshmen back next year, uh, Trey Spivey. Andre Davis, who redshirted this last year. Trace Fivey didn't play in the bowl game. But D.Y. Jace Brown, five catches, 52 yards, makes a really nice contested catch in the end zone for, to, to seal the game, essentially finishes the year with 437 yards receiving. That's the most ever by a K-State true freshman wide receiver, or just actually by a true freshman in general. He passed Deuce Vaughn um, for the most yards ever in the bowl game for a freshman receiver at Kansas State. Can Jace Brown be a number one receiver for this team next year? Yeah, yeah, he's a stud, but here's the thing. He becomes easy to defend if you don't have to worry about anyone else. Yeah. And that's that's my worry because, I mean, you're a Chiefs fan. A, a lot of people that are listening to this are Chiefs fans. I'm, I'm basically a casual fan. I'm not too invested in it. But look at, look at why they're easy to defend right now. People have to worry about Rice and Kelsey in the passing game. You can double both of them and feel good about where you are as a defense against the Chiefs. Double Rice, double Kelsey, made up on everybody else, you're not getting hurt. 
if there's not someone else outside of Jace Brown next year that's going to emerge for Kansas State, then they're going to run into the same troubles. Yeah. Keegan Johnson obviously will have to take a jump, and you got to hope a guy like Trey Spivey can take a jump or one of the freshmen that redshirted this last year can move Spivey. forward. Spivey or Andre Davis, one yeah. of them yeah. needs to become a dude, I think, because you know you have Jace Brown, Jaden Jackson's Jaden Jackson. You hope Keegan Johnson becomes what you thought he was going to be, but meeting Trey Spivey and Andre Davis is pretty critical. I don't know if any of the true freshmen, you know, they were both four stars on all three, Jaquise Bradley Dents and Trey Davis, if they can make an impact similar to Trey Jace Brown, I don't know. That'd be huge. But the, I mean, simply put, the transfer portal receiver hunt's not going as well as you would like at this point. They are going to have the Troy receiver on campus. I mean, we're recording this on what, Wednesday, January 3rd. I think he's going to be here today as we speak right now. The Troy receiver, Jabari Barber is his name. Now, I think he's more of a slot receiver, but he has really, really good numbers. And because it looks like they're falling off a little bit for Elijah Surratt uh, from James Madison and for Mikey Matthews from Utah, um, slot or not, they need, a, they need a dude that has proven production, and Barber is that. So there's a lot of pressure on them, in my opinion, to lock this up uh, before he leaves campus. Because yes. At one point, he was talking about visiting Michigan State and Mississippi State as well. I think that started to change to what Florida State, South Carolina, Texas A&M. It just feels like if he gets past this Kansas State visit without committing and goes to those other campuses, you're probably fighting another uphill battle. I mean, you got to look under another rock for someone that can really do something for you. So I think this is a pretty important visit. Yeah. No, I would agree. Um, Barber, a guy that had one yard short, fell one yard shy of a thousand yards this last year, transferred from Troy. Actually, uh, you know, over 1,600 yards in his career. He had 70, 75 receptions this last year. If you actually look at his season, he had 10 receptions for 107 yards in the bowl game against Duke. Duke had the 26th ranked defense in the FBI. Uh, he had six receptions for 89 yards earlier this year against James Madison. James Madison's defense was ranked 29th in the FBI. Uh, he had five for 60 against Ole Miss last year um, in a game. They had three for 42 against K-State this year when they played in Manhattan. Uh, a quality player and only played in six games the year prior. He'd have even better career numbers because he battled injuries. So uh, 5'10", slot receiver, more of that guy. Some good burst uh, would be a really nice addition. And you mentioned the heavy hitters are coming after him now. And you got to hope that Kansas State getting the first visit can just lock it down right away because you don't want him going to Florida State, who's got plenty of receiver uh, spots to sell now with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman going pro. Uh, and then obviously the success they had this last year, Texas A&M, we know all about their NIL resources and they've got playing time to sell as well. So, um, yeah. What I would say is, would I like them to get more than just Barber and another guy. Yes. I just don't know how doable that is at this point. Um, this week is basically this week through the weekend is basically the time that you have to bring these visitors on campus. Cause then I think you get into another, uh, dead period. If I, if I remember correctly, yeah, uh, as well, or, or I guess, no, you probably run into the semester starts is probably what you're running into more than anything. So, but I will say this, you, the only 
receiver with production that you lost is Phillip Brooks. So if Jabre Barber is the same or an upgrade over Phillip Brooks, you do enter 2024 with a better wide receiver room than the year before, just simply by that, because everyone else is back. And, and you're definitely better if Keegan Johnson gets better. And really, all he has to do is get healthy, and he and he gets better. Um, that's And Jace Brown's going to get better. And if Trace Five-Year Andre, Andre Davis, well, one of those can make a leap. Just adding Barber to replace Brooks can make this a better room. Now, you would like it to be a significantly better room. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, the recruiting period goes now where you can have guys on campus that are mid-year enrollees from January 3rd to the 7th EY. Then there's like a short four or five day dead period again, and it opens back up on January 12th. You can bring guys in on visits, but then as you mentioned, you've only got about seven to 10 days before the spring semester starts. And then, you know, you can get guys in probably a week or two into the spring semester and still be okay. We've seen that before, but they're going to have to, uh, you know, get moving on this. And aside from grad transfers, the portal is now technically closed too. So it's not like there's going to be new targets that emerge at a high frequency. It's pretty much going to grind to a halt at this point, unless they're a graduate transfer. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about transfers uh, and then talk about the offensive coordinator when we come back from break. We'll also hit on the bowl game, just expand on that a little bit more in-depth uh, with DY. But first, as always, we've got to tell you about our friends at Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has got you stocked up gear for 40 different K-State items on their website, and you can score 15% off with the discount code 3MALL23. Go there. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out all the K-State items they have. Retro gear. Uh, I've said it before. Some of the most comfortable hoodies that I own in my closet. They've got a sweet K-State pennant Willie bomber jacket as well. Tons of t-shirts on there, too, that are retro. Really cool looks if you want to, you know, we're just trying to get you fit for your style here and uh, and look pretty stylistic when you go out and about. I've got about 15 home field shirts in my closet. Super comfortable. Encourage you to go go check out them and support them as they support us on 3MAW. Again, discount code 3MAW23 when you go to checkout. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Anyway, I wanted to hit on a couple things you said about Avery Johnson and the bowl performance overall. You know, I I completely echo what you said. I think one of the most impressive things was Avery Johnson's maturity and poise to throw the ball away numerous times, to not force the issue, uh, to not take off and run. I mean, how many times did he just keep his eyes downfield and, you know, not not try to use his athleticism to make a play with his legs. Like you would see a lot of freshman quarterbacks try to do in that situation. If the first read's not there, they take off and run, right? They panic. Avery Johnson just kept his eyes downfield. I thought that was really encouraging. And we've talked about this on the post-game wrap-up with John, but and, and you guys have on KSO as well, but the 28 points, 2.8 points per drive, you take away garbage time, and that's that's the best points per drive against that NC State defense all season. Albeit they were without Peyton Wilson, their All-American linebacker. We all know that. But K-State, to be fair, was down Ben Sennett and Phillip Brooks, their top two receivers. So, and well out. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it uh, evens out pretty darn well. Uh, and like you, I mean, I, I similarly have I similar thoughts on Connor Riley. I thought he was solid in the game. Maybe a little slow to adjust in the third quarter, but you also have to remember that K-State had a 50-plus yard screen called back. They had multiple drops that would have extended drives. And there was what? I think there was a play early in the game, and I think you pointed it out in the group text, D.Y., that they, they ran like a tunnel screen to Garrett Oakley. And I can't remember if I got tipped or he just dropped it, but that play was dialed up at a right, a great call, and it would have yeah, worked. It was on third down, too, so we had a punt because of it. Stalled the drive. Then, yeah. Now, maybe it was the fake punt came after it. I'm not sure. Um, that might have been it Yeah, because that was the second quarter. So they might have bailed that out. That might have been the drive they bailed out with the fake point. But I think it was just a drop by Garrett Oakley. Now, he came back with a really good touchdown grab, too, down the field, down the seam there. Um, but, no, Avery Johnson, the way he plays, or at least played in that game, was like a fifth-year senior. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you see coaches all the time pull their hair out when they have freshman quarterbacks because, like you said, they panic and run before they should and don't keep their eyes upfield and misplaced because of it or two they they don't throw it away they they force the ball in like those are the two things that are the hardest for a true freshman to really embrace and understand and grasp because they want to do too much and and Avery just like nails on that it was it was amazing to see he is different I've written this and mentioned this on other on other shows as well and I know you you put some numbers out there that certainly makes it reflective of this. It's like you think about all the other true freshmen that have played this year or haven't played at quarterback in that this was a pretty good draft class. But I mean, you got Dante Moore, Jaden Rashada, and I'm I'm gonna miss some names. Guys like that, uh <laughs> Malachi Nelson couldn't get on the field at USC, got pushed out. Dante Moore got benched multiple times by UCLA. Jaden Rashad got benched um, at Arizona State. And I know there's other good quarterbacks. Jackson, Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold struggled in the bowl game. Jackson Arnold yeah. turns the ball over five times in the bowl game uh, against Arizona. Uh, and then, you know, there's just Arch Manning. I mean, he barely plays. Now, obviously, he went with Quinn Ewers. That's not on him. But just think about that class. I mean, Avery Johnson had the best year. And it was a slam dunk. Now, what I will say is the only argument to that is Tennessee's true freshman looked pretty good yeah. in that bowl too. I was, was going to say, I might have to update my numbers after his bowl game against that good Iowa defense because he had a, a pretty darn good game. See what that looks like. Coincidentally, 
Yeah, but Pinko's the only one that comes close to Avery Johnson this year for for that true. Yeah, the only other one that was somewhat close, and it was on less snaps that qualified for QBR uh, on the metric, was Aiden Childs of Oregon State, who's now at I think he transferred to Michigan State, but what's coincidental about that? DY, I said to John, didn't he? Didn't Aiden Childs take an official visit to K State? He might have. That was the guy that Kansas State was going to resort to if Avery didn't yeah. get them away. So uh, good evaluations there by Colin Klein, of course. I I just forgot about Childs because I mean their quarterback was DJ Uyungle. You know what's interesting? You, you mentioned good evaluation. How good has K State been at evaluating quarterbacks? I mean, weren't they one of the first to offer CJ Stroud? before he blew up and they had him on an official visit. Yeah, yeah. He took an official, yeah. Yeah, he took an official visit to Kansas State, and now look what he's doing in the NFL. Look what he did at Ohio State. Speaking of Ohio State, not to go on that tangent, um, but but I'm an Ohio State guy, obviously, not as passionate anymore. But Ryan Day had C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, what are we doing here? And he did nothing with those guys. Uh, No, nothing is not fair to them, but by Ohio State standards and by their standards, those are all going to be basically pro bowlers in the NFL. Like, yeah, they couldn't win a one playoff game. Yeah, I think we'll be looking back on that team down the road as you see all the success those guys have in the NFL and uh, and wonder. And, uh, you know, I think Will Howard, speaking of Ohio State, I, I think there's a very good chance Will Howard's going to end up at oh, Ohio State. Oh, it's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably write about it today, but I, you know, had – Three or four really good sort good sources kind of come at me yesterday with it, but that one's done. An announcement will come next week. Yeah, um, I, Will Howard will be going to Ohio State. You could have beat and, Pete Thamel to the punch on this, Dy. Pete Thamel of ESPN tweeted this morning he was taking an official visit to Ohio State, but we were texting yesterday that uh, yeah, it's pretty much it was, wrapped up. Yeah, it's wrapped up. Yeah, go ahead and break the news for the Buckeyes. Uh, they're probably getting Will Howard. So. Yeah. I mean, I could have, but there's no point. Well, that'll be fascinating to watch play out and uh, see what he does with the skill talent they're going to have at Ohio State. And all all that skill talent's leaving. It's either going to the NFL or in the transfer portal at this point. I just assume, D.Y., it's a factory in there and they'll replace it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Julian Fleming's going to Penn State. Marvin Harrison's gone. I think maybe Trey is Trevor Anderson back? I don't know. Mecca- is it Buka? Buka, or is that how you pronounce it? Is he back? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that one's probably still up in the year. I haven't heard anything. Like, like obviously, they'll still have guys. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to give a, a shout-out to the defense, to D.Y. in the bowl game real quick. Um, you know, really 13 points allowed because the fake punt was a 60-yard play that got North Carolina State a touchdown. So 13 points allowed really on 10 drives, 1.3 points per drive. And we knew North Carolina State's offense wasn't a juggernaut by any means, but thought the defense was was pretty solid. Um, they forced the turnover on downs in the red zone in the first half of that game. They get the interception at the end of the game. Jacob Parrish. Um, any any takeaways from that side of the ball, or I, I guess takeaways in the sense of what you watched on the field? Any guy, like any position, you think they still need to target via the transfer portal with what's coming back and what you saw in the bowl game? I, I thought they were really good, like you said. Really, only give up thirteen points. Um, you'll take that any day. And so I'm not going to take anything away from them. But what I will say, I think you kind of hinted at it, that NC State offense was really easy to defend. They didn't have much to speak of, um, which is mind-boggling a little bit because it's not like they were plagued by like opt-outs and NFL 
early declarations or, or, or transfer portal either. They had all their guys, but that offense is just so beleaguered. They're really the only weapon they have was the quarterback run from Brandon Armstrong. Yeah. But what I guess what I would say is MJ Morris did go to the portal and, and not play that game. They were a better team when MJ Morris was their quarterback. He's better than Brandon Armstrong. But with Armstrong, there's just no passing game to speak of. They don't have any running backs that have really ran the ball well this year. All they had was the Armstrong quarterback run. As soon as Clarenman figured that out, there was nothing that NC State could do offensively to really threaten the Kansas State defense. I know you're going to have Uso Sam all back, but he didn't play in the game uh, because of injury. I thought Damian Alalio played his best game as Kansas State Wildcat, so that's reassuring going forward. But I think you need another body there. There is John Banks is a little lighter than he was when he came in. Uh, lost some weight during the season. I don't know that he's a bona fide 100% snap interior guy moving forward. Now, it sounds like they're going to be a little more versatile on defense next year. We're going to just be three down. They'll throw in some four down wrinkles here and there. I think probably to appease some of the guys on the roster a little bit, but obviously just to have some versatility too. And it helps you a little bit when you're recruiting defensive line, I think as well, uh, to have those versatile guys. That's why Malcolm Alcorn Crowder, I think is a great fit. Uh, so he'll probably play some on the interior and play some on the strong side defensive end spot. But I just think if Banks is not going to be a 100% interior player, then you're going to need another nose guard to put next to Uso and Alalia because that's a lot of snaps for big big dudes like that. Um, I think they're probably good at defensive end because, like I said, Brandon Mott's back. Travis Bates was added. Alcorn Crowder will play that a little bit. We like the this past year's true freshman class. And there's still some rumblings that Cody Stuffelbeam is considering a return now. So I, the D-line is pretty much okay. I think you need another big guy in the middle, though. And as we often see, the, the, the way that they nose guard recruiting tends to unfold is pretty unorthodox. So there's not really any names out there right now. They lost Tonga Lolo Aya, a big junior college body to Baylor, I think, won that battle. So um, anyone's guess how that who who it might be if they do are able to grab one. They have a lot of linebackers, and it seemed like they passed on Josiah Galvin from Northern Iowa, but it also seems like some other names keep popping up, and I'm a little confused by that. I don't know if there's more attrition coming maybe after the spring where, where they're going to come to a conclusion, or maybe there's some other position moves that we're not yet you know, privy to because you know Tyson Schreuer's a linebacker now. Cam Salas is a linebacker now. You added Boo Morris, a true for, yeah. uh, and, and you just signed Boo Morris and Jake Stonebreaker. Austin Moore is coming back. They like a lot of guys at linebacker. Now, some of the guys you want to count on are coming off pretty significant injuries, so maybe that plays into it as well. I don't know. You need a jump from Rex Van Y. Either way, I don't view a transfer linebacker as a certain necessity, but they seem to be at least taking a peek there. Uh, I think you're set in the secondary unless you want to grab a corner. Because it seems like they trust Justice James to be the depth behind Keenan Garber and uh, Jacob Parrish. Maybe you want one more, but maybe that's 
Kadijel Thomas when he's a return yeah. freshman this year. Well, I don't know. Yeah. And safety, I think, is in a good spot. Like I like I, I realize you lost Kobe Savage, and that's no easy thing. But I think Jordan Riley, the the transfer they added from Ball State, is really good. You bring back Marquise Siegel and B.J. Payne. You add Dante Thomas from the junior college market as the number 11 Juco player in America. Colby McAllister was really good in the bowl game. So maybe you add some depth there. I don't know, but I feel good about who they're probably going to count on to be on the field next year at safety. Yeah, Colby McAllister got pretty meaningful snaps this year. So you would think he's still a young player that he's going to grow and continue to develop. I thought B.J. Payne had one of his best games in a K-State uniform in the bowl game. He had 10 tackles for K-State. He blew up Brandon Armstrong on that two-point conversion. Um, yeah, I, I feel decent about the secondary. I wouldn't hate a transfer corner, but you do have Jacob Parrish and Keenan Garber that you feel pretty good about. Justice James, it looks like a guy they trust. And as you mentioned, you got Kenigel Thomas and Donovan McIntosh as well. In the fold that redshirted this last year, Donovan McIntosh did. Kenigel Thomas burnt his red shirt playing largely special teams, but they like him moving forward. All right, so D.Y., anything else on the uh, the transfer portal outside of the wide receiver stuff that we hit on already? Any other names popping up that may be visiting? Uh, am I missing anything? I don't – I just – The only guy – Yeah, I, those uh, – you mentioned linebacker, and they offered Stephon Thompson a transfer from Syracuse six days ago when he entered the portal. He's a grad transfer, I believe was really good a couple of years ago at Syracuse. I think he had like 78 tackles, six sacks, eight TFLs. Then he tore his ACL and he, he didn't rebound as well last year. And they're hoping with another offseason he'll bounce back. But I believe he played for Steve Stannard at one point at Syracuse. K-State offered him six days ago. And I'll just tell you from Instagram stalking DY, my MO, that he posted on his story that he was in Kansas City at the airport last night. Um, so... Maybe he's in town for an official, or would he have flown into Manhattan? I don't know. So, uh, I don't know. That, I mean, that's something. And th- those two, th- that's a weird coincidence, if not. Well, because I, I don't think he's been offered by KU. Um, I don't believe yeah, him with that. They still fly kids into Kansas City every now and then. And sometimes, because I think flights can be a little wonky, it might be a little bit easier to do. So, yeah, well, and he's flying from, he's from New York, I think, you know, he's in Syracuse. So if he's flying from there, maybe it makes more sense for him to fly into KC. Um, so we'll see if he's taking an official visit to Kansas State, not 100% sure on that. I don't feel like linebackers in need like you. In fact, I feel like they have plenty of bodies there, especially if Asa and Clifton recover. I think they're pretty good at linebacker. Um, so let's do the, like, they have Austin Moore and Desmond Purnell as your two returning starters, right? Yeah. And you might as well say Austin Romaine or Bo Palmer because they started the last half of the season. And both of those are coming back. Um, you lose Dino Green, but he didn't play all year. So you basically have your three starters back, and you'll go get Jake Clifton, who is a starter when he's healthy. And then you're still bringing along Toby, maybe moves to DN. I don't know. Toby Osinsami. I mean, Rex Vail is coming, right? Cam Salas was said to have good bowl prep. Asa, Asa Newsom. A- yeah, I mean, a- look, a- yeah, Asa Newsom. So the three starters that I said basically was you get Romaine or Palmer, Purnell, and Moore. And then you're going to get Asa, Jake Clifton, Tobio Sansami, Rex Van Y. I don't know where the 
but like I'm a little confused because if they wanted to go this route, and 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 I don't mean this as a shot because I'm glad Austin Moore's back, but then why why'd you need Austin Moore and a train? I don't. I, it's just, yeah, we'll see. Me. Maybe K State's going to a three-four DY. I play them four linebackers. No, so I mean they could they could you know throw Toby out there as a pass rushing and a, a three-four type look on third down situations, but I, I don't know. So, uh, all right, I think everybody is eager to hear more about your thoughts on the potential offensive coordinator hire, the co-offensive coordinator hire. We we believe based off your intel um, as of yesterday, DY that. Uh, K-State's going to go with co-offensive coordinators of Connor Riley and then Matt Wells, former Texas Tech head coach, former Utah State head coach, who is an offensive analyst currently at Oklahoma, that Matt Wells will be the guy to be the quarterback's coach and the kind of passing game or co-offensive coordinator for Kansas State. He's friends with Chris Kleiman. Gene Taylor's friends with him as well. Sounds like that's going to be the hire that K-State makes. What, what do you make of it? Yeah, I think depending on the lens that you want to see it through, you could probably manipulate this to however you want to view it. If you want to not like this hire, you can point to there's a few offenses in his tenure at Utah State that I believe ranked in the 90s. Now, those were him as a head coach. The one with him as an offensive coordinator is really good, I will say. It was top 30 offense. And there's another one, or there's another two, while he's head coach at Utah State, where they're also in the top 30, and one was in the top 10, maybe top five. Um, obviously, that's what Jordan Levitt quarterback. So his offenses in his recent career, we're talking about the last 10 teams where he was a head coach or offense coordinator of, there's, a, there's some really high highs and there's some really low lows. So it's hard to kind of calibrate what to expect. What I will say is, is that... I think sometimes we get lost in the numbers a little bit and don't realize that sometimes you can just be a better coach or a better player where you're at a place that is a better fit because you feel good about yourself um, and it just matches what you want to do, right? And or and the people that are around you as well. So hopefully that's maybe can help him even outdo some of what he's already done in his career because he's going to be next to people he really enjoys, right? We know that. Matt Wells almost hired Chris Kleiman while Kleiman was still the head coach of North Dakota State to be his defensive coordinator at Utah State. He tried. Yeah. Wasn't successful, but he tried. So I think that's something taken into consideration. And just like when KU hired Jeff Grimes, they said, well, this is the guy to develop Zach Wilson. You can look at Matt Wells and say, this is the guy that developed Jordan Love. Pretty similar in those. And I think it can be a good marriage. Now we'll see the what the cohesion and chemistry is like when it unfolds and they work together more and more. But it is nice for Connor Riley, who just had this experience as a play caller and is more run game oriented in terms of his background, to now be paired with a guy that is a quarterback coach and more pass game oriented. And above all else, and this is really all that matters, Avery Johnson likes it. Yeah. I think that's obviously the key thing. They obviously allowed Avery Johnson to weigh in on this as well. Not that he's the one making the hire, but uh, Avery Johnson likes to hire. And look, you mentioned that he developed Jordan Love. I'll give you guys some numbers here in just a moment. But I I, I really like 
DY that you're hiring an experienced play caller, an experienced coach to pair with Connor Riley, who would be a first time OC. I think that just takes a lot of pressure off Connor Riley and gives me some comfort, especially with the passing game, et cetera. A QB coach, a veteran guy. I mean, look, you're you're getting a guy as your off a co-offensive coordinator that's been a head a successful head coach at Utah State and was good enough to get hired at a Big Twelve peer in Texas Tech. Um, you know, to me that that's a pretty darn good hire. Uh, you mentioned it in the group text the other day when Oklahoma State's had guys leave, they reach out to like D two schools sometimes and and hire their coordinators, and it's worked. I mean, Mike Gundy's made it work, but I I like Matt Wells. And I think he was dealt an unfair hand at Texas Tech. I mean, you think about it. He he they had were, the, they were ready to get rid of him. Just well, they, they wanted a guy from Texas, and he he made that remark when he was asked about Lubbock, and it was clear he didn't really know anything about Lubbock even in his third year. So they didn't feel like he was invested in them. So they were out on him because they didn't want to. They wanted a guy from Texas. Obviously, they went to the extreme and got Mister Texas High School Football himself and Joey McGuire. So. And I'm not disagree with you. He got screwed there, didn't get a good deal at all. But that was just Texas Tech's desire to get a, a Lone Star State guy in there. It was probably never a fit. I mean, for him to, yeah, to take that job, that's a mis- Texas Tech hiring him. It was probably just not a fit. The only reason I say he got dealt kind of an unfair hand is, you know, he get, the first year he inherits kind of a mess from Cliff Kingsbury. They go, what, four, they win four or five games. And yeah. then, the, and then the next year is the COVID season. Uh, so you kind of throw that out and then he's five and two or what, what, what were you guys? Five and two lost to K-State. Yeah. And then he got fired. So with five games left on the season, including their bowl, he didn't coach. He got fired after that loss to K-State that they probably should have won the game. And then they're six and two. That was the, that was the game where Felix NDK Zava saved it for Kansas State because they were about to lose. Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah. I mean, then then you're talking about a guy that. You know why they fired him at that that point is because they were worried he was going to win too many games. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I don't take a lot from what happened at Texas Tech. I also just don't think that was a fit. I think there's going to be a real comfort working around Chris Kleiman and the staff for him as the co-offensive coordinator. And I, I wanted to give some numbers, Dy, because you mentioned it uh, earlier. Because the numbers can be a little, you know they can be a little disconceiving here and what when you look at it because I, I pulled like the FEI numbers that is Utah State and Texas Tech offenses the where they rank nationally in their points per drive and a lot of seasons they weren't very good but I'll give context as to why um, so Utah State offensive ranks nationally in the FEI during Matt Wells era uh, Utah State he was the OC in 2012 they ranked 50th in the country in the FEI and they were 28th in the country in points per drive he was the offensive coordinator that year he becomes a head coach in 2013. They rank 96th in the FB, FEI. They rank 76th in points per drive. 2014, they're 93rd in the FEI. They're 83rd in points per drive, et cetera. It goes down the list. Now, in 2000, I won't go through every year, but in 2018, Jordan Love has a spectacular season. A quarterback ends up becoming later a first-round pick a couple years down the road. That was Matt Wells' final year at Utah State. They go 11-2, and Jordan Love. And uh, that offense, he threw for almost 3,500 yards. Uh, I think he had 32 touchdowns to six interceptions, completed 64% of his passes. They had Darwin Thompson, running back, who later became a sixth-round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs as well. On that Utah State offense, he ran for over 1,000 yards that year. Um, and their their points per drive was eighth in the country. 
Okay, so you look at that, you're like, all right, there's a lot of 90s and you know lower tier numbers and where their national ranks are at Utah State. But when I actually dug into this, D.Y., do you remember the name Chucky Keaton at quarterback? Yeah. So speaking of getting dealt a bad hand, let's go back to 2012. Matt Wells becomes the offensive coordinator at Utah State. Chucky Keaton as a sophomore under Matt Wells as the O.C., in 2012, completed 68% of his passes for nearly 3,400 yards, 27 touchdowns to nine interceptions, averaged 8.3 yards per pass. Offense was great that year. I mentioned it earlier. They were 28th in the country in points per drive. Matt Wells becomes the head coach in 2013 at Utah State. Chucky Keaton starts the year great. 1,300, almost 1,400 passing yards, 18 touchdowns to two interceptions, just 196 pass attempts. Well, he started 13 games in 2012. He only played 17 games the very the next three seasons. About three or four games, I think it was four or five games into the uh, the 2013 season, Chucky Keaton tore his ACL and his MCL. It was on October 4th. He tore both ligaments in his knee. He missed the rest of the season. And then he missed most of the 2014 season when he re-injured his surgically repaired knee. He was never the same. They, they had trouble replacing him at quarterback. He had a guy in Chucky Keaton and then Jordan Love just a couple years later that were studs. So, like, you look at those Utah State offenses, and then you got to dive in more and realize, well, he lost his quarterback. He's had a lot of bad luck with quarterbacks. You think of Utah State or Texas Tech? Chucky? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they've they lost a lot of quarterbacks at Texas Tech, too, even when he was there. They had Henry Columbia. That was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it just continues. So, I mean, let's keep that trend away from Kansas State. Uh, but uh, no, I mean yeah. Texas Tech, man. Before him and after him, they, they no, just, I, 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 yeah, I, I know. I'm just saying, let's not have a Patrick, trend. Well, outside of Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if there was a quarterback that's ever stayed healthy in Lubbock. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you know his offenses at Texas Tech. Again, you take it kind of with a grain of salt because yeah, quarterback. You know, yeah, quarterback. In, in 2021, the year he was fired, seven games into the year, I mean, that offense finished the year at 2.74 points per drive. That was ranked 25th in the country. Um, and then uh, in the FEI, I think they were also ranked 25th in the country. So, yeah, I, I you know, Jordan, I, I think one of the biggest things, D.Y., when you look at what Matt Wells did, so I mentioned Jordan Love, 3,500 yards passing, 64% completion percentage, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions in 2018. Matt Wells left to become the head coach at Texas Tech in 2019. In the 2019 season, Jordan Love, 3,400 yards passing, but 20 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. So he goes from with Matt Wells, 32 TDs to six INTs, to then 20 TDs to seven INTs, and Utah State struggled to a six and seven season after Wells departed. So um, I think that's meaningful. Obviously, Jordan Love became a first-round pick of the Green Bay Packers, and now actually looks like, you might be figuring things out for your Packers, D.Y. So, I am. When on Sunday against the Bears, we're in the playoffs. That's right. Okay. So, uh, at least. You know, you know who couldn't take the Packers to the playoffs last year? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Upgrade. I mean, he. I've been pretty impressed with some of the games I've seen from Jordan Love this well, year. The only thing I worry about a little bit is, uh, like, purgatory, where he's good enough to get you to here, but he'll never be good enough to get you to there. Yeah. I worry yeah. about that. Do you think they sold did or maybe they didn't even have to sell it, but do you think they sold Avery Johnson on just the Jordan Love first round pick? Look what he did there with the quarterback. Uh maybe I like I'll tell you, like as soon as the call and fly thing happened, it was like two mornings later I heard that like the players were all like 
talking about the possibility of Matt Wells. So that started early and then it kind of fizzled out. So, but they were excited about the idea of that. So I don't know that there had to be a lot of convincing there at all, to be quite honest. I think that was kind of what this locker room was hoping would happen. So that's probably a, a good a good thing, I guess. So, do you think they went? What 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 do you think the timing is of the announcement? Do you think? I mean, you mentioned earlier, Jabray Barber is on is supposed to arrive in Manhattan today, January third, as we record. Yeah. Do you think Wells is in Manhattan for those visits? You would think he would be a key cog in trying to sell to some of these wide receiver transfers to get Avery Johnson some talent. Yeah, you would think, but I don't. I don't. I mean, sometimes it, it's more HR related when the thing gets announced. Maybe he could still be call, there. It took call. Yeah, it took call quite a month to get announced, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it did. Uh, they waited forever, which, by the way, shout out to Colin as the co-offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Um, you know, so uh, now it sounds like he probably maybe knew that was coming. Uh, we'll go back to the Packers thing, too. I think what's really helping Jordan Love, and this is kind of to rub salt in the wound of the Chiefs fans, is Green Bay has four really good young wide receivers at the same time. Yeah, what's well, interesting? They don't have like the big flashy names, uh, but they're all well, they're all first and second year guys. They might be big and flashy in a couple of years. Yeah, they're all solid. Yeah. They're all like 22, 23 years old. It's Christian Watson, Jaden Reed. Um, I'm losing my mind here. Romeo Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks. Yeah, yeah. So, That's Romeo awesome. Dobbs came to Manhattan. Uh, oh yeah, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave at tight end. Yeah, Romeo Dobbs came to Manhattan, played for that Nevada team that. Uh, Took the L to K State thirty eight to seventeen Carson a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where's Carson Strong at? He ever make it anywhere? No, no. Big arm didn't make it. Um, all right. Well, I think that's. You have anything else to add? Any any other coaching changes that you're hearing? I'll tell you. Like I heard there was a possibility of maybe another change, but uh, haven't gotten any names, and I don't know like if that's going to happen. I'm not going to speculate on names specifically. I just thought there might be another change or so on the staff. Yeah, you had told me that, so I kept my eyes peeled. I mean, Josh Buford going to A&M. Uh, yeah. But there, there, there is no signs of any other departures. Not that there won't be, but there's no signs of it right now. Yeah. Well, go check out KSO, folks. Go to K-State online, uh, DY's side over on on three. Stay up to date on the latest transfer information, the latest coaching stories, Matt Wells information, et cetera. DY will have all the information, Drew, Drew Galloway, Mason both. Uh, they'll have all the stuff over there for you guys to keep you up to date and up to speed with what's going on in the transfer portal. Hopefully we'll hear about some surprise names visiting, especially at the skill positions like wide receiver in the coming days. So uh, DY, why don't you get that done for us? Even if you just have to make something up for me to get me excited, that'd be, that'd be great. All right. Uh, appreciate DY for jumping on. Uh, we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna try to do three mall bonus pod tonight um, with uh, Pearson McAtee, former K State men's basketball player, to talk about a little K State hoops. Uh, so stay, stay on the lookout for that. That'll be kind of the kickoff show, and then we will also uh, hope to record a pod here, kind of a wrap up pod with Curry Sexton of Wildcat NIL and former Kansas State wide receiver here in the next few days as well, and get his thoughts on everything that's transpired. So. Appreciate you all for uh, for tuning in, listening. Appreciate DY. Appreciate Nick Springer behind the scenes for uh, having to listen to us once again and producing the show. Uh, thank you again for listening to another Three Mall Edition, and thank you to our supporters and friends at Home Field Apparel and Holiday Distillery. Go check them out and support us as they support us on Three Mall. 
Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.